everlasting depth of mercy. Depth of mercy can there be. Mercy still reserved for me. Can my God his wrath forbear? Me the chief of sinners spare. Me the chief of sinners spare. I have long withstood His grace, long provoked Him to His face, would not hearken to His call, grieved Him by a thousand falls. him by a thousand falls. My God, my God, my God, I'm so
the Father's love.
be seated. My soul, oh my Jesus, Judas sold you for thirty. I'd have done it for less. Oh my soul. Oh, my Savior, Peter denied you three times. I am denied you more. As the nails went in, I was standing right there. Oh my God, what have we done? We have destroyed your son. Oh my God, what have we done? We have destroyed your son. Oh my soul.
right there as you breathe your last. I shook my head and I cried. Night that we. We set aside to think on, dwell on, concentrate on the great gift that you have given us in the death of your son. Would you help us feel a weightiness to this that we normally overlook, that we normally gloss over. And we're not, we don't think posture and symbols are the the thing that you ask for, but they are, they're gifts that you've given us to help us sometimes. You, you know our hearts and our heads well enough to know that sometimes we just need a picture of something. And so even tonight, as we get ready for a, a Resurrection Sunday to come, would you help us see that we're not there yet? As we read your scripture... As we read your word to us, as we read the the story of Jesus, what you have done for us. Would you empower your word? Would you apply it to our hearts? In your name. Amen. In Luke's account of the final days and death of Jesus. In chapters 22 and 23 is what we're going to read tonight. And so if you want to follow along, it's going to be up on the screen, I think, uh, or you can pull out your own Bible. I know it's kind of dark, but um, I, I tend to read fast anyway, so good luck keeping up. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was a number of the twelve. And he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad, and they agreed to give him money. And so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. And they came, uh, then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Well, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until, or I will not eat it, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another. Which of them it could be who was going to do all this? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them had to, or was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise uh, lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will, crow, will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I, I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said, it is enough. And he came out and went, and as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And while they were still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers in the temple and of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and with clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. And then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with them. But he denied it, denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. 
After an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. And they also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. And they said, well, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea and from Galilee, even to this place. And when Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, for, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been in enmity with each other. Good for them. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man as one who is misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find any, this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who, is, or a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Literally the thing that they're falsely accusing Jesus of. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! Third time they said to him, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving of death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted and he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him, but turning to them, Jesus and daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. But weep for yourselves and for your children, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. 
Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, oh, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, Well, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering sour wine and saying, Well, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But The other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to them, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now the sixth hour, that's about noon. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God, and this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. If your heart is like my heart, you're uncomfortable leaving the story there. Are we the same? Like, like I, I want there to be resolution. Surely this, this can't be the end, right? And those of us who, who have grown up in church, we, we know this. We know the end of the story. We, we, we know that Easter's coming. We've got all these big plans. Maybe you bought a new, new outfit to wear this year. We've got... We poured money, we poured attention. I'm preaching a special sermon Sunday. We, we go all out for Easter. But the explosion of joy that is Resurrection Sunday doesn't make a lick of sense without the weightiness of Good Friday. 
We live in a, in a culture, an entertainment culture, where we, we feel uneasy with the tragedy, right? We want everything to come to conclusion. We want the good guy to always win. We want the bad guy to always get his, his right justice. We want all things to be resolved and to come to their happy little ever after, right? And some of that's a cultural thing in us. I think, I think we've grown soft to hard things sometimes. But what, what if not all of it's that? What if we've been designed by God to look for a happily ever after because there's a bigger one on the stage? There's a bigger one coming down the pipe. But Sunday's not here yet. So what do we do? We need to feel the weightiness of Good Friday. Listen, I want us to explode with joy Sunday morning. But that joy can only be manufactured if we don't feel the weightiness of tonight and every moment in between. There is no resolution tonight. That resolution is coming. But what do we do now? Well, thankfully... Our God loves us enough to give us good pictures of big things. And even as he is preparing for his own death, Jesus walked his disciples through that picture. Tonight we've got some crackers and some juice. It's crackers and juice. We also have a gluten-free option for those who need it. It's rice crackers. And juice. Symbols aren't necessary, but our God has seen fit to give us good things, to be pictures of massive things. And so tonight we want to celebrate just like the first disciples did. We want to celebrate just as Jesus commanded his followers to continue celebrating. On the night that Jesus was arrested. He gathered his, his followers, his closest group, into uh, what we call the upper room. It's essentially an above-the-garage apartment. And if you caught it in the story, they, they walk into town, and they're like, hey, can you show us your room? And they're like, all right. And they show them the room, and they prepare the meal there. But it's not just any meal. It's a special meal. It's the Passover meal. And, and so here's what's so crazy about the Passover meal. It's a thousand, year old, thousand years old by the time that Jesus and his disciples participate in it. A Jewish meal that represents how God saved his people out of literal slavery in the land of Egypt through the ten plagues. And they all ramp up to this final plague where, where uh, God has to absolutely cut the legs out from under Pharaoh. Show him who is God and who is not. And so he causes the angel of death to, to pass over the land and kill the firstborn in every house. And everybody who trusts God and listens to his instruction and do what he says will have an out and that out is that they take a 
perfect sacrificial lamb, a spotless lamb that's got nothing, nothing in it that could be stained or unworthy. And they slaughter this lamb. They catch all the blood in, the, in a bowl. And they paint the, the blood on the doorpost to show that they are covered by the blood of this lamb. And they consume the lamb as their meal that night. And every bit of this is an act of trust in a God who has every right to take their life. But yet he is good. And he loves them. He says, if you'll do this, you'll be mine. And he says, and after they do this, and they, he rescues them out of Egypt. He tells them, now keep doing this. Not to earn my love, but to remember who I am and what I have done for you. And for a millennia, they practice this. They solidify this in their hearts. And then Jesus walks onto the scene, and he breaks a thousand years worth of tradition. Can I, can I be honest? If I broke ten years of tradition, I'd be fired. A thousand years of religious tradition. Essentially, he says... You know this thing that you've been celebrating forever? Guess who it's about? Me. So he picks up some bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. Hours later, this is a literal happening. It's not some metaphorical picture. His body was literally broken for us. He picks up a, a cup of wine and he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you, this blood of the new covenant. Weighty words to a first century Jewish mind. You don't go in and change God's contract with you, his covenant with you, unless you're God himself. So he says, this is how we're doing things. My body will be broken. My blood will be spilled. He's still the spotless lamb. And it's still to save a people for himself. Jesus just inserts himself into the story. And so on a night where there's this weird angst of Wanting resolution, but not getting it yet. We get to participate in a picture of a God who is faithful to bring the resolution. Because he's already paid the ultimate price for it. So here's what we're going to do. For anybody who's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if that's not you, listen, we're glad you're here, but this is kind of a family deal. Hang out and watch. But if you know and love and follow Jesus, this is for you tonight. It is a picture of who he is and what he has done. It is a picture of his great love for us because, oh, he's a good God. He has given us good things. And so if you are 
able and ready to participate in this tonight. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little bit of soft music, and we're going to kind of do this in, in one direction. We're going to have you come down this aisle, pass this way, get your cracker, put it in your mouth, get your juice, drink it. Even, you can even leave the cup on the stage. We'll clean them up there. Here's what has to happen, though. The Bible teaches that there's a wrong way to participate in this. But don't mishear me. It's not that you messed up this week and therefore are unqualified. If you hadn't messed up this week, you're not accounting properly. This is literally what this is for. If you didn't mess up this week, you don't need Jesus' help. The gospel is a reality because you and I are train wrecks. No, see, the proper way to participate in the Lord's Supper is to first confess and repent to a holy God who knows you inside and outside. Upside down, backwards and forwards. I was talking to somebody else this week. They were asking the question, uh, why do we need to confess to God, seeing how he already knows? Because for the same reason, I want my three-year-old, my my five-year-old to tell me when they did something dumb. There's something that happens in, in their little heart when they fess up to daddy. And grace happens in that moment. When we begin to press into him instead of pulling away. So we're going to play some music. There's no pace to this. Take as long as we need, I guess. Repent of sin. Trust him deeply. Come receive the picture that he's seen fit to remind us with. Can I get three deacons to come up here real quick? just to hold the elements that way it's not just sitting on a stage looks cooler that way I want to pray and as you are ready come participate God you're good to us thank you for good friday it's only good because <laughs> we we know what you've done and we know the resolution that's coming down the pipe God, help us see our sin. Help us see it as the enemy of nearness to you, of of pressing in and clinging to you. Oh God, we love you. I am no better than Judas. I'm no better than Peter. No better than a lot of them. That's why I desperately need you. But you are good. And you love us with a great love. God, thank you for being a God who did not rest, relax, in just giving us what we deserved. 
I know what's owed to me. I can feel it. But you are mighty. You are good. You love in a way that I can't even wrap my head around. God, thank you for the picture of the Lord's Supper. May we eat it well. In your name. Amen. Come as you're ready.
so on their way out the door to the garden. The Bible tells us that the disciples were all confused. I would imagine a little angsty. It says that they sang a hymn and went out into the night. One of my favorite hymns, one that I think is appropriate. Join me if you want. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. Oh, in my own sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Go out into that dark night, but Sunday is coming. See you then. Love you guys.